Want to experience Christ United like never before? Download our app today. You can watch live and previous messages, take sermon notes, get calendar updates, find giving options, and more. Just go to your app store and search Christ United. Thanks for joining us today. For more information on our church, check out ChristIsLove.org. Or you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by following at ChristUnitedMB. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Good morning, Christ United. Nice to meet you. Yeah, we haven't met. I'm Jeff. I'm lead pastor here, and we're so glad you're here today. I want to know, if you live in the area, have you noticed a change in the demographic in the last week? Anybody notice a change in the demographic, right? Um, there's been a change in the demographic over this last week because what's happened is we've had about 10,000 college students coming into the area. If you take the additional 4,000 tech students who were there under the age of 25. You got 14,000 awesome young people around you. You're going to see them. Yeah. And a lot of times you're going to see them at their best, doing what they should be doing, being exactly where they should be. Other times you're going to see them when they're not at their best, when they're not where they should be and not doing what they should be doing. So you might see them in front of you at Kroger with, a, with you know, 12 packs lined up on the conveyor. You might see them. They might pass you at 105 on 501, be bopping in their little Honda. You might see them at the beach, and they're delighting more in one kind of suds than the sea foam. And you're watching, and you're going, what are you thinking? Because here's what I'm wondering is, is what, what are you feeling when you see these college students? What are you thinking when you see these college students? And what are you going to do when you see these college students? I want to tell you at Christ United what we feel, what we think, what we do when we see college students. Those who are at their best and those who are not at their best. What comes to our hearts here at Christ United? Now, if you're new to church, you may think, well, these are religious people. And so religious people, probably when they see them not at their best, are, are feeling, you know, kind of uh, a little bit, irritated by that or bothered or troubled by that. Um, They're probably thinking some pretty judgmental thoughts and probably what they're trying to do is keep their children away from them. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's what religious people do. In reality, that is a lot of times how religious people respond when there are folks who aren't where they should be, aren't doing what they should be doing. Religious people often have responded over history in a way that is far, far from what God would want them to. And so Jesus, it says in Luke chapter 15, which is where we are, grab your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 15, verse 1, and you're just going to be so impacted by this experience out of the life of Jesus. Now, when you think about, um, and somehow I'm not finding my, I'm not getting to anything here. My clicker is not working. Okay, so in a minute, they're going to get me all straightened out. But here's the thing is that as you go to Luke chapter 15, verse 1, it's going to say that there were a a whole lot of people who were not necessarily doing right. They called them tax collectors and sinners and kind of captures this this group of uh, people who aren't where they should be, doing exactly what they should be doing, were gathered around Jesus listening to him. And then I think it's in verse 2 that it says that, that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began to grumble or mutter that this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. 
And what Jesus had done from the very beginning of his ministry is spent a lot of time around people who weren't where they should be and weren't doing what they should be doing. And religious people looked on that with judgment. And so if you think that's how we see folks, how we see those who may be at the time not doing what they should be doing, might not be where they should be, you're very, very wrong because the reality is we don't want to be like that at all. What we deeply desire is to be like Jesus. Instead of having an attitude of condemnation and instead of having an attitude like, um, you know, feeling contempt, thinking about how we can stay away from or how we can get these people to pay the price for what they're doing wrong. Uh, instead, the heart of Jesus was very different. And so Jesus revealed that heart. It says in verse 3 that he told them this parable. Oh, this is awesome. I got my thing back. <laughs> All right, here we go. So, so Jesus told them this parable. He says, suppose one of you uh, has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. He says, does he not leave the 99 in the open field and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? So doesn't he go after that lost sheep? Here's Jesus is revealing his heart toward those who aren't where they should be and aren't doing what they should be doing. He said, I view them the way a shepherd would view a lost sheep. And the first thing is, Jesus had compassion for them. In fact, if you want to write this down, Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, when Jesus saw crowds of people who weren't where they should be, weren't doing what they should be doing in most of their lives, who had gathered to hear him, it says he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And the reason he had compassion on them is this. Is to him he saw their value and he saw how vulnerable they were and how much danger they were in. He saw their value and their vulnerability and the danger they were in. And so he had compassion for them. Compassion means to be moved to the depths of his bowels. Compassion means that he's actually moved to take action. And so what he was thinking was not, how can I avoid these sinful people? And not, how can I get them punished for the wrong they're doing? But what he's thinking is, how can I rescue them from the danger they're in and they're not even conscious of the danger? So like a lost sheep, a lost sheep wanders off and what the shepherd knows immediately is that lost sheep is in mortal danger right now. This sheep could get torn to shreds and it could be lost. It is valuable and, and it is very vulnerable right now. It is in a danger it doesn't even know. So the shepherd says, I got to go and rescue it because it is in peril. That, that makes sense. And so Jesus said, that's how I feel about someone who's not where they should be, not doing what they should be doing. I feel compassion for them because I see their value and their vulnerability and the danger that they're in. Now, they're in danger because they don't see the danger and, and they don't avoid the danger. And I want to say this, that, that some people say the reason Jesus used sheep as the example is that sheep are really not smart. Um, and that there's this great, this lady here in our county who takes care of animals um, and she's precious, and she has an English accent. She's awesome. And I was out there trying to get a little lamb that we used in a service one day. You guys who have been around a while remember that. And we're going to go get this little lamb from her. And it was hard for her to keep lambs, she said. She said, because, well, basically, lambs are stupid animals. They're always looking, or sheep are stupid animals, she said. They're always looking for new and creative ways to die. Now, some people will say that that's the reason that Jesus used sheep is they're stupid and they're stinky. But I don't believe that to be true at all. And I think it's really important that we don't miss this. 
In the book of Isaiah in chapter 40, in verse 10, it talks about God coming in power with a mighty arm. This, he rules with a mighty arm, but then it says this in, verse, in chapter 40, verse 11, it says, He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Now, is that a beautiful expression? Gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. He's saying, no, I don't choose sheep as the example because they're stupid, stinky animals. I choose them because they are valued, but they are vulnerable. They are valued and yet they're vulnerable and because they're vulnerable, I need to protect them and I need to take care of them. So in John, you can write down all these passages to look them up later, but in, in John chapter 10 verse 11, Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So when it comes to what he would do, I said, what are you feeling? What are you thinking? What are you doing? What he was feeling was compassion. What he was thinking was somebody's got to do something and what he would do would be whatever it took. He would lay down his life to rescue them. Now, if you want to try to capture this in a human experience of what is it like to really value and treasure and love someone so much and to see them walk into a danger, that they're in mortal danger, they're in danger of losing their life, and what you're thinking is not how can I punish them for the stupid things they've done, but how can I get to them and rescue them, and what would I do? I'd do anything. A great example of that is found in a movie called Taken. If you've ever seen the movie, um, Brian, who used to be um, a, a preventer, is what he called it, a preventer for the U.S. Uh, uh, government, uh, he was trained in martial arts and all this kind of stuff. But anyway, he has a daughter um, who's 17 years old, and she wants to go to Europe. And if she wants to go to Europe, and she's planning on going to Paris, and she says so that she can visit museums, what she really wants to do is follow you two in their European tour around Europe. But, but she wants to go and have this fun at 17. She knows that dad's all stuck in the mud, and dad doesn't want her to go, and dad's saying, I don't think it's good, I don't think it's smart. But she knows. How many people know that we know, right? We know that I'm going to be okay. I can do the things you're telling me not to, and I'm going to be okay. And then as she lands in Paris, he has a whole bunch of boundaries, a few boundaries, I should say, that he says, you got to stay within these boundaries so you can be safe. And of course, step one is to step outside the boundaries, and this is what happens. Okay, now take Somehow, one with the two of you. Yes, please. <laughs> okay. Yeah, really cute. <laughs> yeah, great. Very nice. Thank you. Where are you from? I'm California. Oh, I wish they all could be California <laughs> girls. <laughs> I'm um, Peter. Oh. <laughs> I'm a pal of Amanda. Uh, this is Kim. <laughs> nice to meet you. Hi. Um, you're going into Paris? We. Oui. Um, you know, taxi here. Want to share? Yeah. Okay, sure. perfect. Nice. Thanks. Nice address. Oh, yeah, thanks. Um, it's actually my cousins, but they're in Madrid for the summer, so we have the whole place to ourselves. How cool wow. is that? I didn't know that. It's still here. Well, uh, I have to be going. Nice to meet you. Oh, okay. You too. Bye. Hey. There is a party tonight at school. Want to come? Sure, yeah. Amanda, we don't even know him. What is there to know? He's hot. I come pick you up uh, around nine. Okay, yeah. Okay, great. Um, your apartment? Uh, it's the whole fifth floor, Hoffman. Okay, see you tonight. Okay, bye. 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 <laughs>
Yeah, no fruit de la pompe. Feast for two girls around 18. What did I say? You were supposed to call me when you landed. I'm sorry. I thought maybe something was wrong with the phone I gave you. No, it was just such a rush at the airport. All right. Well, if, of course, if I'd had the number where you were staying, I would have just called there. What's the number? I don't. I don't have it. Kimmy, come on. This is one of the conditions. Let me talk to one of the cousins. I'll get it from them. Dad, they're in Spain. I didn't know. I swear. To Spain. Kim, is there anything else you want to tell me? Kimmy. There's someone here. Our cousins are back? No. Oh my God, they got Amanda! What? What are you talking about? Kimmy, let's go. Dad. Kim. Kim. Dad! It's her. All right, listen to me. Oh, God. Did you meet anyone on the plane? No. In the airport? No. Yes, Peter. Peter? Peter who? I don't know. An American? No. Did he know where you were staying? He took a cab with us. I'm scared. I know you are. Stay focused, Kimmy. You have to hold it together. How many people are there? Be precise. Three, four, I don't know. Where are you? I'm in the bathroom. Go to the next bedroom. Get under the bed. Tell me when you're there. Five, maybe ten seconds. Very important seconds. Leave the phone on the floor. Concentrate. Shout out everything you see about them. Hair color. Black color, tall, short, scars. Anything you see, you understand? They're there. I can hear them. Remember, concentrate. Put the phone closer so I can hear. What's your skill, Shunosh? Don't matter. Don't matter. I'm just back. I'm just doing good. I'm just back. I'm just back. If you are looking for ransom, I can tell you I don't have money, but
But what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I have acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. If you let my daughter go now, that'll be the end of it. I will not look for you. I will not pursue you. But if you don't, I will look for you. I will find you. And I will kill you. So can you get your heart of a father there and like, oh God, what, is, what do you feel? God, please protect my baby. Please, you know, do whatever it takes. Um, you know what you would feel probably as, as a dad. And that's not just movies. Um, I don't know if you remember this, but um, a number of years back, uh, a young lady uh, named Brittany Drexel um, Right here, yeah. Yeah, let me go back to Brittany. Brittany Drexel um, was on the boulevard here at the beach and was taken. And if you remember what that did to her parents and what that did to everybody who was watching, and she was told, don't go to Myrtle Beach, you know. And uh, she left home anyway and came to Myrtle Beach. And when she was taken off that boulevard, there wasn't a single soul that I know of with any heart that was like, well, she got what she deserved. Everybody was in a place that all they could feel was compassion. And the thought was, she is so valuable, so precious, so loved, and so vulnerable, and in so much danger right now, and we've got to do something to rescue her. We've got to do whatever it takes. And many of you were a part of doing whatever it takes to try to rescue her. Now that, guys, is the heart um, here at Christ United. Um, it is looking at those who are vulnerable, every single person that is seen, every, every college student, but not just the college students. There are 22,000 high school and junior high students, and then there are people all over the place um, that are in that same spot. When we see them, our hearts are moved with compassion for them. And today we're talking about college students, so I want to give you an example of how we at Christ United think about college students. We were in a meeting early on. We started our church with 12 people, and, and we started our first services were held on Coastal Carolina's campus, and we really felt God calling us to reach college students and have ever since. And as we were reaching those college students, we were spending a lot of money and a lot of effort and a lot of time on those college students. And we were in a meeting one time with a lot of our, our, our core leaders, and one of those core leaders said, well, you know something? He said, college students don't give money. They don't have enough money to give. I don't think we ought to be spending so much time and so much money on college students. And after he said that statement, it was as though he had sung the Alabama fight song at a Clemson University pep rally, you know? All of a sudden, it was like we were afraid he wasn't going to get out with his life, you know? Everybody jumped on him and said, you are absolutely kidding us. We are going to do whatever it takes to reach college students. We aren't there to get their money. We're there to save their lives and their souls, and we're to protect them and love them, right? Is that cool? 
And I want you to know when you see that picture of Brittany and you think what that stirs up in the person who realizes that someone is physically lost and they're physically in danger, if you ever get your mind around what Jesus knew spiritually, his understanding of being taken and being lost was much more comprehensive and far more terrifying, and that is this, that if you are lost physically and taken physically like Brittany was, yes, there is, there is danger, and it's grave danger, and it's horrific. It's the parent's worst nightmare, what actually happened to Brittany. She was kidnapped from here. She was taken down to McClellanville, and she was, she was raped, and she was murdered, and her body was thrown uh, into a pit to be eaten by alligators. It's like the worst possible imaginable scenario to go through. And so anybody who sees a picture of a lost child go up, immediately you're, you're brought to attention. You're saying, we've got to do something about this. And you have so much compassion and so much drive. We've got to do something. What Jesus realized was that the people who are spiritually lost are in far greater danger than someone who is spiritually, I mean, just physically lost or taken. Now, I want to tell you the truth about the ones who did that to Brittany, the ones who took her and did that to her, if they, God looks after them and goes after them with the same heart he does even for Brittany. He loves them and he wants to bring them to repentance and wants to bring them to change and wants to bring them to his love and his grace. Like Timothy Taylor, the guy probably responsible for it, God loves him. He's wanting to get to him, wanting to draw him back and stop him from doing evil and bring forgiveness to him. It's a beautiful heart that God has for him. But if he doesn't repent and he says, that's what I want to do, is I want to do that to people, then what God will do is confine him to hell forever. But do you realize that for every person who is spiritually lost and spiritually taken, they will share hell forever with the people who did that to Brittany? And they will share hell forever, not just with the people who did that to Brittany, but with the, the evil one who put it in their heart to do it to her. And so when Jesus sees Brittany and what happened to Brittany, you're going like, oh, God, you've got to do something. You know, you've got to do something. And Jesus is saying, that's very true. She's in a horrific, dangerous place. But you've got to think about this. On that boulevard that night were thousands. And out of those thousands, many, many thousands of people were in worse danger. And, and God would say this for everybody who kind of cries out and says, God, why don't you do something about Brittany? Why don't you do something about the lost people? Why don't you do something? The reality is he's made it extremely clear that he has entrusted to us the responsibility of loving and rescuing and caring. He's put us on earth and he's given us commandments and responsibilities. And, and at the core of those commandments and responsibilities is to love those who are most vulnerable and love those who are most in need of his love. And so it's our responsibility, and he calls us to do it, and every single one of us are supposed to be doing that. So when you look at those thousands, do you realize that right now, on Coastal Carolina University's campus alone, you've got over 10,000 students. Do you know that conservatively, 6,000 of them are already spiritually taken? Conservatively, 6,000 of them are headed for an eternity with people like the people who did that to Brittany and to an eternity with the evil one who put it in their heart to do it. That's where they're headed, 6,000 of them. 
And then when you think about the other 4,000, you would think like, well, the other 4,000 who show up at Coastal Carolina University and they believe in Jesus and everything's good, there are 2,400 freshmen coming onto the campus this year. You think, well, good, they're safe, you know? But according, if you don't know, to a guy named Ron Luce who wrote a book, Battle Cry for a Generation, he said that 88% of kids who come from Christian homes will not follow Jesus after they get out of their home. 88%. And I thought that statistic was way so high, it was almost like it sounds fanciful to even say it. So let's take a more conservative statistic from John Stone Street with Summit Ministries. John Stone Street said that out of freshmen in college who show up their freshman year claiming to be born again, 59% nearly of them will not claim to be born again after four years of college. How many people think that's scary? That means that out of the 4,000 that are left, way over 2,000 of them will be taken before they leave the college experience. So how many people are going like, this is a big deal, right? This is a big deal. And we have to care for those who are already followers of Jesus. And so when these students show up, we are responsible for their care. When Peter said to Jesus that he loved him, you know, Peter asked him in John chapter 21, verse 16. He said, Peter, do you really love me? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And what did Jesus say? He said, take care of my sheep. If you love me, you're going to take care of my sheep. And that has been the heart of Christ United from the beginning. We're 19 years old, and for 19 years or 18 years, for 18 years we have poured our hearts and lives into caring. And caring for those who are already followers of Christ and helping to surround them with love and strength and encouragement so they can remain strong. But then we've also been committed to sending them out to reach others. To sending them out and going out with them to say, we've got to care about the lost. And so what it's resulted in is a lot of those students who came in as followers of Christ have left so radically passionate that they've given their lives to ministry. And you think about people like Andrea Rue, who you just saw in the news, who adopted uh, four children, this precious woman has adopted. And as a teacher in public school, she's adopted three American children and, and one international adoption. And she's rocking it, ministering and reaching out. you got Vanessa Suggs, who is on her way to Honduras, who came as a follower of Christ, but now is devoting her whole life to missions and ministry. you got Jason Capp, who came through this same very ministry as he was a young man, now serving in Japan. Um, you've got Ricardo Walker, who's a little bit older dude when he came into the process, but was a part of Refuge and, and now is serving in France. It's amazing what God has done as we've been saying, we want to care about those students, build them up and send them out to make a difference. And they make a difference on the campus and they make a difference around the world. Every single year it feels to me like I hear it. I've heard two this year about guys that I didn't know, two young men that I did not know had come through the ministry here, our college ministry, and now are serving full-time. One of them in college ministry and one of them in international ministry. And they're saying, the reason that I'm doing it is because this family and what you did and what you brought to them in that has changed everything. And so I just want to say this, that, that when we get to be a part of that, we get to be a part of the most exciting thing. I want What could possibly be more precious than to be a part of rescuing one of those people. And what's most beautiful about it is, is that we don't just send the students to do it. We join them in the process. And so whatever we can do, we serve. I was talking to a lady in our church who worships in our traditional service. She's, she's right now in, in her 
late 70s, I believe, and, um, and if I'm wrong about that, she's going to shoot me. But she's, she's in retirement. But she was talking about, she remembers her bathtub full of 12 turkeys that she was thawing right before Thanksgiving to do a big Thanksgiving thing for students at Coastal. I've seen you guys in this congregation pouring sweat over grills where you're cooking out for them and loving and serving them. I've seen you bring college students into your home. I've seen you open up and feed masses of them and care for them and love them and encourage them and sit up with them at night holding them and loving them and caring about them when their hearts have been broken. I've seen you doing it. And God's saying we get to be a part of that. But what's even more exciting is we get to, get to be a part of somebody who is far from God and doesn't expect Christian people to even like them, expects Christian people to avoid them and judge them, but instead they find themselves loved by them and drawn to a love relationship with God. And when they get that, it is beautiful to see their reaction when they realize that we came for them. If you've seen the end of that movie, watch when Brian finally gets to Kimmy, his daughter. I can't tell you how many times a scene somewhat similar to that has played out here as somebody has come and found God's love and His grace when they didn't expect anybody to care. And it's like, you came for me, right? Right? It's awesome. And so you may be thinking to yourself, you may be thinking, yeah, but... But she had, she had this, you know, super dude dad that came after her. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you remember what he said, right? I don't know what you want, but if it's ransom, I know I don't have money. But what I do have is a very particular set of skills acquired over a very long career that make me a nightmare to people like you. Right, right? You remember that? Here's the truth. That skill is what God gives to his people. Do you realize that Jesus said... I will build my church. And he said, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Matthew chapter 18, verse 16. It is the church that is that entity that is given the responsibility to go out for that rescue and to bring them into a place of safety and love and strength. And so God's given us that responsibility. And I'm going to burn past a whole lot of other stuff in this sermon just to say that what we've done over the years is said, we've got to be the very best we can possibly do at that. And what it led us to is this year instituting something that's going to blow your mind. We are taking a step that we believe is going to result in more um, taken and lost students being brought into a relationship with Jesus than we've ever seen in the past. We believe it's going it to ultimately result in thousands coming to know him. And so I'm going to ask for Brent Richardson, who is the leader of our refuge ministry, to come up here. And, uh, and uh, as Brent comes, Brent, man, as we start this idea, and guys, what we want to do is really create, like, special forces on Coastal's campus, you know, like, like, like the best of the best going to make the greatest impact. And uh, Brent, part of what led us to this was looking into to some of your experience as a, as a college student. And you were part of a team, uh, and that was a baseball team. And uh, God started leading us towards something that we feel like was powerful difference maker. Right, so... Uh... All right, so when you're part of a team, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing that happens is you're there with a group for the same purpose. And so no matter the ups and downs um, or the triumphs, the challenges, you face that together, and it just really 
molds you into a family. And so when we started looking at that, we looked at the sports programs. And what the sports programs do, they go out, they recruit the best athletes for those programs. And so when we started looking at that, we were just like, you know what, why can't we do that for ministry? Let's go out, assemble the best Christian leaders that we can find, bring them to the coastal Carolina to be a part of a team that's radically committed to leading their generation into becoming fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Y'all, and, and here's the thing. When Brent, Brent went off to college, I had known him as a young man, and when he got off to college, he had a team of people that was trying to win championships, right? But what he didn't have was a team of people that was trying to keep him on the path of following Jesus. He didn't have a team of people committed to saving the lives and souls of thousands of other students who were already taken and some who were being taken. And he said, you know, I wish I had had a team like that. I wish I'd had a group of people who were devoted to, to really the ultimate goal, not just trophies, but the, devoted to actually making an eternal difference in people's lives. And so that led to, after a lot of prayer and a lot of seeking, this has been a process of over a year, it led to um, actually putting that team together, right? That's right. That's All right, right, so why don't you share about that, man? So we have a team, and guys, I just want you to hear this because this is the big piece. Us, as Christ United, being intentional. Intentional to pour into these students' lives to help them learn and grow. How to be intentional with their relationships with the peers that they come across. Um, so with that, we have assembled a team, yeah. and uh, I'm going to just introduce them and bring them up. Yeah. I'm going to move this little stool. So let's do this. Um, we have two students who couldn't be here today. They actually have uh, some uh, class that they had to go to. It was mandatory. Um, the first one is Brenna Caleb, and Brenna is from North Dakota. She was actually a part of this church last year. Um, she is a music major. She plays like eight instruments. So it reminds me of someone I know, Miss Michelle Snowberger. <laughs> so we're excited to have her on uh, our team. The next one is Bo Taylor. Bo Taylor's from Rock Hill. He is a baseball player. He will be playing catcher for the Chants. So uh, be sure to uh, get out of those games. We're excited to have him, just a, a, an awesome, awesome leader. He's already been chosen to be the captain for the underclassmen, so the freshman and sophomore um, athletes that are on that team, he was chosen to be the captain for those guys. All right. So next up, I'm going to just uh, go in order because they're right here. Miss Rachel Bird, just come on up. Rachel is a senior. She's from Virginia. She's a track star. She does uh, cross country. She's also uh, the president of FCA, so we're excited to have her on board. Yeah. Uh, next up is Kayla Gassaway from Pamplico, South Carolina. She is a senior. And Miss Kayla is, uh, she's a Wallfellows uh, student. If you don't know what Wallfellows is, it means it's like one of the top programs at, uh, at Coastal Carolina with academics. So excited to have her on board. Miss Kylie Blevins. Miss Kylie is from Maryland. She is a writer, has been published too. So she just spent... Um, uh, the whole summer in Texas actually leading uh, middle school and high school students in a faith-based summer program. So, amen to that. Miss <laughs> Emma Vandeveld, come on up. Miss Emma is a junior, and she's a musical theater major. 
Um, we're excited to have her on board. She's doing a lot of things at Coastal. Um, and next is Taylor Koppel. Taylor Koppel, yeah, we know Taylor. Taylor is uh, in the Army Reserves. Uh, he'll be starting his freshman year at Coastal Carolina. And the guy, I love him to death. I've known him for a while and just so blessed to have him on this team. So this is our team, seven students radically committed to making an impact on Coastal's campus. And so these guys are going to be, um, that number one, they are dedicated followers of Jesus Christ. They are radically committed to honoring him in their lives. They live lives of purity, integrity, sobriety. Um, they are awesome, but they don't do that for an attitude of superiority. They do that because they care deeply about their brothers and sisters who are followers of Christ and those who are far from Christ that they're going to be bringing home to a relationship with Jesus Christ. So can you give a hand to some folks radically dedicated to what really matters? Brent, anything else you want to tell them about? Um, oh, just excited. So okay. be sure. Guys, again, this is our family. So uh, you're going to see them week in and week out. Definitely want you to uh, make sure you get to know them. We're going to have a table set up in the lobby, so you'll have a chance to uh, come by there and meet each student um, and just love on them. Fantastic. Amen. Now, I want to tell you what we're going to do. Um, what happened over the years that we've been here at Christ United, there have been times when Christ United has had um, three, four hundred uh, college students um, every single week involved in the ministry of the church here, um, two or three hundred even involved in our uh, Thursday night services that we were having at the time, four college students. Um, other times, those will graduate and there'll be a fewer number of college students here. Um, so if you have not been here when we see this beautiful influx of college students, I want to tell you that what's going to happen is, is these men, um, Bo um, and uh, Taylor, uh, these women are going to be inviting their friends and reaching out to people. They're going to be bringing lost people home. They're going to be pe bringing people who already know Jesus into home. And here's what we're going to be doing. We're going to be loving those kids better than they've ever been loved in their life. Agreed to that? Agreed to that? Yeah. We're going to be caring for them. If you want to be one of those folks that, that adopts a college student and says, I want, to, I want to care for them, help wash their clothes, take them to the doctor when they're sick, I just want to be praying for them and encouraging them. If you want to get, be a part of what's happening and get behind these guys and what they're doing to transform the world, one relationship at a time. They're going to be doing C groups with students on campus. I want you to be praying for them consistently while they build those discipleship relationships. And as they bring the people that they're reaching, we're are going to love them into a community that they're not going to want to leave. It's one of the things I love about Christ United is we have lots of people who live in Myrtle Beach because they came, became a part of the ministry to our college students, and now have grown up and stayed here because they wanted to be a part of this church. In fact, just this past year, I had a young lady who moved back here with her husband from the other side of the United States saying, we missed so bad what we found in the love that we found while we were in college that we had to get back to this place and receive that. So will you guys make a commitment right now and say, we're going to love college students better than anybody on the planet could love them. When we see them, we're going to be filled with compassion. We're going to be filled with love. We're going to desire to protect those who are already his, bring home those who are not yet his, and we're going to do whatever it takes to reach those students for Jesus. Will you do that? If you will, give a, a hand of applause and let God know that.
I want to ask you, you guys to come down along with Brent, and as they come and they stand down along the altar, I'm going to ask for the rest of the refuge ministry team to get behind them. These, some of these guys um, have scholarships uh, that have been provided so that they're able to devote their time, uh, just like a scholarship athlete, to be a part of this. Um, they have been through an interview process to be a part of this team and have, have, uh, have, have been selected because of their qualities and, and because of their giftings. Uh, so that's a pretty big honor, right? But here's what we know, is that it all comes down to the anointing of God's Holy Spirit on them, right? It's going to be God's work in them. So right now is the key. It's our prayers for them. So I'm going to ask you guys to, to get along this altar on both sides, okay? Y'all just get along. Y'all just, just come and kneel down over there somewhere, you guys who are part of the scholarship team. Y'all who are coming to be the ministers. Now the rest of you get behind them, okay? And now I want to ask everybody here to stand up. And if you want to, I want you to rush down here and get a hand on one of these guys or on somebody who's got a hand on one of these guys. Would y'all do that? Just rush down here and get a hand on them, and we're going to lift them before the Lord right now. You ready? Oh, no, you're not ready. Y'all are still coming. Guys who are kneeling, I want you to see a church family just coming in behind you and surrounding you. It is beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Oh, man. Awesome, awesome. Now, those of you who, who know that you can't get to us because it's already packed in around here, if you're in agreement, would you just lift your hands to the Lord right now? Would you just lift your hands to the Lord? As we say right now, God, you have done an awesome thing. You have brought these precious men and women, these young men and women, with a passion for you who are radically committed to the ultimate goal of turning ordinary students into fully devoted followers of Christ. The goal of reaching those far from you and bringing them home to you in safety. And we pray in the name of Jesus that you would pour out an anointing on them right now like they've never known in their whole lives. God, that you would fill them with your love for every student they encounter, Lord God. That they would have in their hearts what's in your heart, in their mind what's in your mind. That by your Holy Spirit you would give them the words to say, the actions to take that they would truly be your instruments for the salvation of souls and the protection of those who are yours. That they would gather the lambs in their arms and hold them close to their hearts. That they would reach out to those far from you, Lord God, and they would be willing to enter whatever it takes, whatever it takes, Lord God, to bring your lost children home to you. And Lord God, we praise you and thank you that even as you pour out your Spirit on them now, you will pour out your Spirit as they minister throughout this coming year. And Lord God, we look forward to celebrating many, many, many whose lives will be changed because of their influence, because of their love. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can you give God a hand right now? As these guys make their way back to their seats and our refuge students make their way back, um, I want to ask you to have your eyes open everywhere you go when you encounter people um, in, in the grocery store, in restaurants, or at the beach. If you're encountering college students, just say, you need to check out Refuge. It's refugescmb.com, refugescmb.com. You get them to Refuge, and they're going to meet some awesome young men and women who are going to help change their lives, okay? So in addition to that, you have your eyes open here because they're going to start showing up, and when they start showing up, we're going to be loving them, right? We're going to be making a huge difference in their lives. Now, guys, right now, this is the most important moment. 
And it's so cool that as I'm looking down, one of our refuge students is filling out one of those uh, cards for somebody just, just so they can be praying and encouraging them. I want you to connect in that way with these students. Love them, encourage them, be there for them. Now, here's the most important moment in our whole service. Because somebody's sitting here going like, I'm the lost sheep. I'm the one that I thought that if God was looking for me, He was looking for me to punish me for what I've done wrong, that what He felt toward me was anger and contempt and disappointment. What He thought about me was that I was not really useful to Him and that I had hurt people and, and He wanted to just lock me up or get me out of the way. And, and you thought all that was true, but today, somehow in the midst of all this, you've understood that Jesus looks at you and He's filled with compassion. He's moved to the depths of His bowels because to Him you are precious. To Him you are priceless. To Him your value is incalculable. And He looks at your value and, and He sees your vulnerability and He sees... And it doesn't matter what you've done. I said, even the person who took Brittany, God looks at him and says, I love you. I want to redeem you. I want to take away all of your sin and draw you home. And I want to make you mine. And God's saying that to you right now. And you're saying, oh God, you mean that I'm valuable to you. And, and you mean that you would come after me. At the end of the service, I'm waiting for you to look up at him and say, you, you came for me. Because he did. And today, right now, he's saying to you, I would leave 99 to go and look for you. I would leave 99 to go and find you and draw you home to myself. And I love you. And I want you. And so can you just close your eyes right now if that's you? And can you just say to him, can you say, Oh God, oh God, oh God, I can't believe that you were looking for me because you loved me. I thought that you were so disappointed in me. I thought maybe you even hated me. Can you tell him right now, honestly, thank you for loving me. Thank you for coming after me. Thank you. Now, when we said Jesus would do whatever it took to get his lost sheep home, what it took was him going to a cross and sacrificing his own life so that your life could be redeemed and you could be forgiven. He's died for you. He took a horrible death for you so that you could walk out of here today with no record that you ever sinned. That's how far he went to get you. And so can you say to him right now, please wash away my sin. Please forgive me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for letting me come home as though I had never sinned. Thank you for picking me up right now and making me yours. Now there's one more thing and it's so important. When you come back, into the fold you come back with a shepherd where you need to know his voice and listen to him so you're not constantly wandering off into dangerous places and so can you say to him right now from this day forward you're my shepherd you're my shepherd and I'm, I'm your sheep I'm going to listen to you you're my lord I'm your servant you're my father I'm your child and I'm going to follow can you say to him right now, and Lord, just like you have put into the hearts of these who kneel today what's in your heart, I want you to put in my heart what's in your heart. Please come into my life. Make me yours. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Just ask him right now. Just say, come fill me with your love. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Let me think what you think. Let me feel what you feel. Let me be who you want me to be. And so can you say to him right now, thank you for forgiving me. Can you say to him right now, 
Thank you for taking me and making me yours. You are my father. I am your child. You are my shepherd. I am your sheep. My life is yours. From this day forward, my life is yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast by Christ United. If you'd like to respond to today's message, or if you want to share how God is using this ministry in your life, please send us an email to media at christislove.org. Or you can connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by following at Christ United MB. Thanks again for joining us, and may God bless you.